since with me. I appreciate it. They got me uh, excited back there. Katrina gets me going. When we get those songs going, it gets me pretty excited. And I want to tell you today, I've been super excited about this word because, uh, in fact, I'm so excited that I forgot my Bible. That's when you know you're a good preacher. I'm so excited. I forgot my Bible as I'm like Katrina's. But so here's, here's what I'm excited about. So this is where most of us are landing. Summit is an absolute, I mean, most, I mean, some of you come from some great churches back home, and I praise God for your churches because we're part of the body of Christ. But here's what I'm so excited about. This is why I start here, because I want to make it linear. So most people, because when God created us in this beautiful relationship with him, I mean, think about it. God was walking them with it in the garden of the cool today. There's no disease, right, Hey, there's, there's no problems. I mean, there's a perfect bloodline. People go, how do people live that long? Well, it's simple. God made them perfect. When you don't have a lot of diseases, and when you don't have a lot of bad bacteria, you don't have a lot of bad viruses, you don't have bad DNA, people can live long. And so what happened, there's this perfect creation. And we're in this perfect creation and in this fellowship with God. And then, of course, you know that it was a promise of God when God says, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, because what, what good does evil make? I mean, what sense does evil make? I've told you this story a thousand times, but when that lady came to my, that my sister or brother had to represent, and she took a hot curling iron and held it on her baby's front bottom till she stopped screaming, what good? What, how do you explain evil? The point of evil is there's no sense. It doesn't make sense. There's no rhyme or reason. So if you're trying to figure it out, you're not going to figure it out. That's just the way it is. So what happens is this evil broke into the world, and God said there's a death that's going to take place. And there was a relationship break between us and God. It was a spiritual death. Now, eventually, a spiritual death leads to what other type of death? Come on, talk back. Physical. I mean, this is really it's simple. Listen, Jesus... Doesn't make it rocket science. But but man tries to make it rocket science because we gotta have a dissertation and some letters behind the name. So we confuse things. And by the way, God's not the author of confusion. Satan is. And so what happens is since the relationship was broken, this is what's so beautiful to me because God still, think about this, because God still loved us so much, there's this promise coming. And every time there was judgment, there was a promise coming. Every time there was a judgment. So there was a judgment on the world. They got so wicked that God and God said, listen, I'm going to save Noah and I'm going to build, I'm going to build this relationship to man. There was a promise. After judgment, there's always a promise. After judgment, there's always a promise. And the world began to get more wicked and more wicked and more wicked. And then there was this tower about the world. God began to spread man within the different languages. But even in the midst of that, God gave a promise. Damon. Who he changed his name to Abraham because he said, I this seed, out of your seed, Abraham, there's a, there's a Messiah coming. And Jesus, for those of us in this room that have surrendered our life to Jesus Christ, because of his great love, God sent Jesus to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And Judas would say, We're no match for sin. That's why he says, Flee from sexual morality. Because we're no match for it. We can't man up, woman up. We can't family up. We can't brother up. We're no match for it. But Jesus is not only the match. Jesus is the defender and the victor. Think about this. Satan is a fallen angel. Satan is created. How can a creation beat the creator? I'll go over here. That was good. 
portrayed in Psalm and Satan and Jesus were in a, a, a boxing match. I just want you to know that Satan is no match for God. That Satan cannot even get in the ring that God made. There's no boxing match where all of a sudden Satan deals the blow of death. Satan didn't deal the blow of death. God took it. Come on, somebody. Isaiah 53. I said, it pleased the Lord to crush it. God let Jesus die. Jesus willingly died because of his great love for us. So now, because of his death, we now can get the perfection of Jesus Christ who lived perfectly. He lived this perfect, sinless life. So we have the righteousness of God. And you say, but John, I just sinned before I got in here. My kids drove me crazy. They started acting like my spouse's people. Right? Then I act like my people are crazy. And so I had to get some, bring some cheese. Jesus went out the window and I had to get him back. You know? I mean, the point is, is it doesn't matter because we're covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that your sin increases so that grace may abound. But Paul wrote it like this uh, in the Greek, Megadoitoi, which is the strongest double negative we have in Greek. That means ain't no way you should keep on sinning. So that grace can be better. But this beautiful relationship, because of this great love, we demand a response. And we say, by faith, we say, I put all my cards, it's like poker. We put every chip on Jesus Christ. That when we stand in front of the Lord, that our Savior is Jesus and not ourselves. And so, what is so beautiful about that? Do we get the righteousness? Yes, this is the gospel. Do we get forgiveness of sins? Yes, that is part of the gospel. Do we get eternal life? Yes, that is the gospel. That's part of it. Yes. Are they thrown as far as the east is from the west? Yes, that is it. But what makes the gospel so wonderful is not that we get all those things, it's that we get the presence of God right now in our lives. The heavens have opened, and every time you and I pray, our prayers go right to the throne room. And Jesus Christ, our defender, our advocate, our intercessor, intercedes for us with the Holy Spirit, with groanings to deep words, and our prayers are heard by God Himself. We have an open heaven. That's when Jesus was baptized somebody. Jesus was baptized, the heaven opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon like a dog. Heaven opened, symbolized, come on, somebody's metaphorical, even though it really happened. The heavens opened, but the metaphor is the heavens are open so that we now have a relationship. God. That's the point of the gospel. I'll prove it to you. First Peter, uh, I'm getting so excited. I left my notes over here. I can't. I, mean, I just, I get crazy around here and all this stuff going on. I get so excited. Keep worshiping hard on my Google app. First Peter 3.18. Turn there, somebody. Let's go. I'm sorry. I didn't have it on my notes. I apologize. By the way, um, I just want to tell you, Katrina, that your eyes are much better than mine with this small print. I appreciate it. I'm confessing my age, but it don't matter. You know what I'm saying? Because I still sing Culture Club. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. <laughs> don't even know. <laughs> Passwords, hollow notes, people. All right, here we go. Verse 18. I'll show you this is the purpose of the gospel. For Christ also suffered once for sins. The righteous for John Davis. I'll put it in, I'll put it in, I'll put it in Bible terms. The, the righteous for the unrighteous. 
somebody. I didn't hear you. He might what? That's the gospel. My father is dead, though I know we have come by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ, and the word of our testimony that he has transformed us, that we have surrendered to him. That's how we overcome everything. So yes, my father's in heaven. But when I get to heaven, I'm not running to my father. I'm running to Jesus. I don't want to go to heaven to be with my family. I want to go to heaven to be with the one who is my family. Who transformed us right now. You see right there in the power of this beautiful, beautiful word. You see it. You read this. small Being put to death. I love this. I love this. That he might bring us to God. That is the gospel. And so as many people think that they can make their lives right. And that's what breaks me. And so what happens now, this is, come on, this is really good stuff. So I'm giving you the big picture. So you get right with God, you surrender your life to Jesus Christ, right? Right? And you say, yes, God, I'm trading my life for yours. This is salvation. Salvation. So the promise of God that Jesus is everything for us that we cannot be, and we surrender our lives to him, now we accept the promise of God for salvation. Now what do we do? Do we sit here and twiddle our thumbs and say, Oh, Jesus, you're coming back to kill me. Oh, so we get real purpose-driven. And we got a purpose-driven life. For I know the plans I have for you. But it's the prospect of give you hope. I wonder what that meant to the people going in the towers at 9-11. Hmm. That is not a salvific passage, family. Do not use that in salvation. I know the plans I have for you. How do I say that to a dying man? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a little story. I told you this. But have you ever, I mean, a lot of people have been around people dying. As a pastor, obviously, you know that I, I, there was a guy. I, he, was a, he was a professor in North Carolina. This is a true story. And I'm going to tell you, it's scary. So he's dying of cancer, and he's on the hospice bed. Are y'all tracking me? Are y'all with me today? Are you doing All right, so he's on his, he's on his deathbed. He's dying. Dr. Vargas. No relation to them. Dying. He's a professor, business professor from Puerto Rico. Beautiful man, beautiful musician. And he asked me to come. My twin sister called me. I'm in Savannah. I drive all the way over, uh, a couple hours from where I am, and go kill I drive over there to the house, and he's there, and he has not spoken. And I don't know what they said in a day or two days, three days, I, I can't remember. But he has not spoken for a while. And I walk in there, and there he is. And y'all know what I'm talking about with that death rattle. Y'all know what I'm talking about? When the lungs are filling up with fluid, they got that girl called a death rattle. You don't know what I'm talking about? Just ask when he's thirsty in this room. And so the man's, I mean, you know, eyes are shut. I mean, everything. And his wife's a nurse. And, and there was another prayer over there. And they said, John, we're so glad you're here. He just wants you here. He just wants you here. And I literally walk in, no joke. And I'm thinking, okay, Lord, what am I going to say? He's, he's getting ready to die. He's giving me to you. And I know he's a believer. What do I do? I mean, sometimes when you walk with the Lord, you just got to step out there. So I sat down and I opened up my Bible. I said, Dr. Vargas, this is John Davis, and I'm going to read some scripture to you. And I kid you not, the man sat up, grabbed me, got this close to my face, and said, I need you. I almost lost all bodily function at that moment. <laughs> I ain't lying. Straight up. I mean, his breath, woo -woo. 
She looks at me. I'm pale white. She said, what's going on? I said, he just talked to me. And she went crazy. She's like, yeah, it's my man. Said, you never know what God. So what do we just sit around waiting for that? No, what happens? Here's the Christian life. The Christian life is this. Is that when we, we hold on to the promise of God for salvation, now what do we do? Hear this, saints. Now we begin to walk by and not by. What does that mean? What does 2 Corinthians 5, 7 mean? It means this, that the promises of God for salvation, the gospel, the good news of salvation, the promise of God in Jesus is good enough for salvation, but it's good enough for living. So walking with Jesus, every one of you in this room, God brought you today to hear this word. So, every, so now, what do we do? Now we walk with God. How? We walk with God in the promises of God, and we take a step of faith, and we trust that his promises are true. That is why you preach the gospel to yourself every day. You preach the gospel to yourself every day that the promises of God are true and every promise is made true in Christ Jesus. He is the yes and amen of every promise. So that is why I'm trying to tell you to walk with Christ means we are going to have to trust the promises of God in the midst. Now look, if the promise of the field is here, sorry Katrina, and I'm here, the only way to get through this ungodly mess that we're going to walk in is to put all of our chips on Jesus Christ and step into the mess and trust God to be bigger than the junk we're going to face. You can't get the fulfillment of the promise until you get to the promise later. So if the Holy Spirit in me is driving me to step out and go to a school where Jesus ain't really lifted up, Trust my wife is not because I trust her word, it's because she walks with Jesus. 
the moment she didn't walk with Jesus, guess what I think? Cheater. We'll be on Cheaters Anonymous. We'll be like called by the rock and film. Right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, think about it. The only reason you trust the person, the only reason you trust the promise is because you trust the person. I'll prove it to you. How many people, how many people here? You know, you raise your hand. Somebody told you, oh, I'll be there at that time. My family, growing up, if they told you they're going to be there at 10 o'clock, you better be thinking 11 o'clock because we're on the long time. We are notoriously late. I mean, and, and it used to drive my older brother crazy. He'd say, John, when you're late, you're saying that your time is more important than my time. I'm like, oh, smack. Galatians 3. We've got to trust the promises of God. So here we go. Let me turn there. Galatians chapter 3. Oh, yeah. How am I going to beat this? Okay, in Jesus' name. God, give me eyes. Don't play the browse. All right, verse 15. That was fun. To give a human example. Can I teach something this morning? Come on. Huh? Yes, come on, loosen up. In Jesus' name, Jesus is not a stiff and a bore. If worship is boring, then I am in sin because I don't think you're going to be in heaven going. i got to get eternity with this. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it's been ratified. Now that sounds all legalese. You know all my legal family, they kind of like that stuff. Let me break it down for you. The Holy Spirit will break it down. Woo! Now the promises were made to Abraham, Paul's going Old Testament, and his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and your offspring, who is who, saints? All right, so in other words, he's saying, Abraham, there's going to be a seed coming, and that seed is going to be the Messiah. See, see God's making promises. God started. Come, jump ahead. God, let me jump ahead. Now, the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. He does not say to offsprings, it's not plural, referring to many, but referring to one and your and to your offspring, and the Bible declares who it is. There's no guessing that it's Christ. This is what I mean. The law. The Torah represents the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We have all these laws in there, like what type of clothes you gotta wear, what type of dietary laws, uh, circumcision, all these types of these laws. Uh, some of you know the Ten Commandments, these laws. Watch what he says here. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul, this is so good, a covenant previously ratified by God. So as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it does not longer come, it no longer comes by the promise, but God did to Abraham by what, saints? I didn't hear you. By what? Now, I know you're confused. God made a promise in Abraham, with Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And in Exodus, we begin to get the breakdown of the law. The law was 430 years later than the promise. And the law does not replace the promise. The law came that he's going to declare because sin was getting so bad. But he says the law is not your way to salvation. The promise is your way. Come on, somebody. I know what I'm talking about. That is why the Christian life is based on promise. If you don't start walking into the promises of God and living by faith in God, you will never experience the promise. 
to school every day, and you take the promise of the gospel to yourself every day because your and I's walk is based on a promise. So we walk in promise. We don't walk by the law, but the world walks by the law. I hear some Christians walk by the law. Well, I'm better than an expert. No, you're not. The same God that's going to send that person to hell is the same God that will send you to hell and me to hell without Jesus being our Lord. And if he's, if his promise is enough to save me, then his promise is enough to deliver me wherever he calls me. And God will send his people, mark my word, in the name of Jesus Christ, I speak this over you. God and myself, God will send you to places. He will send you to places. And before he ever blesses you abundantly, he will test your faith with Trust the 
promises that he's made, and we step into it, and we keep going in our life, and we trust that even though when bad things happen and wrong things happen, that God, you will be greater than sin. Because you are greater in sin than our salvation, will you not be greater in sin and I walk with you? And I'm not talking about just the sins that we commit, I'm talking about the ones that are committed against us. So we love you, Lord, and we trust you. Forgive me that I might honor you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'll show you this. John 1 17 says this. I'll just read it to you. It's about those on Facebook. But here's, here's what it says For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. We don't walk by law. We don't walk by law. I'm going to keep reading because this, this, the, the word promise. I'll show you what this. Go back to the verse 18. For if the righteous comes by law, excuse me, for if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by, the, by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. God bases his relationship with us on a promise. And if you read, if you read 2 Corinthians, Jesus is the answer to all promises. He is the yes and amen. He fulfilled every promise. Now let me tell you what the word promise means in Greek. Here, let me just tell you. It's a compound word. It's a compound word of, of epi and angular. Okay, epi means on. E-P-I. Epi means what? I didn't hear you. Epi means what? On. Anglo means to announce. Uh, it, it, it carries the idea of a message. It means to announce. So that it's announced on. The promise is on somebody. The message is on somebody. The words, the announcement that is made is on this person. So when he says promise, he says this. The word of God is on God. So it's the promise maker that's important, not the promise that is made. I see people all the time trying to hold on the promises of God as if the Bible is a lamp and God is a genie. And we say, hallelujah, 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 and all of a sudden, poof, Jesus pops up and we say, what do you want? He said, well, I need a new car. You know, I, you know, I just... Supply, need, so give me a lot of give me a lot of supply. That's not how it works, saints. It's all about the trust of a person. It's about Christ. The Christian life is not just a walk, but it's based on faith in the promises of God. If I believe God for who He is, then I will believe God for what He says He's going to do. That was good. If I believe God for who He is, then I believe God will do what He says He's going to do. Look at verse nineteen, Galatians three. So then the question is, why do we need the law? Why, why do we have, in other words, why do we have Exodus? Why do we have the Ten Commandments? Our country's so jacked up. They put up the Ten Commandments. Them people, they should have put up Jesus. Well, our country's built on the Ten Commandments. Bull! It should have been built on Jesus. Because the Ten Commandments you and I can never meet. Come on, somebody. That's why we have a court system. That's why we have lawyers. And that's why we have judges. And that's why Romans 13 says, if you act ungodly, you will be sent to the ungodly judge. Don't act like the judicial system is a savior. The judicial system is jacked up. And it's on the line, and it's on the and you can quote me. And if you don't believe me, ask my brother, who's a federal criminal specialist, who even taught, just got the 
is based on Jesus. He fulfilled it. So here is the question. So why do we even have them all? Why do you even have them all? I'll tell you why. Because you and I live in a wicked world. You ready? You and I live in a world that does not love Jesus. We do, but a lot of people don't. So who's going to be the, who's going to live the standard? Watch this, verse 19, the answer to force. Why did the law? It was added because of what, saints? I didn't hear you. It was added because of what? In other words, people are pray praying. Do you think you understand what I'm saying? The law was added because God made a promise with Abraham, but the nation of Israel was crazy. They were crazy. And so what happens is God says, y'all are crazy. I gotta give you all think about this. God was giving them the law while they were down there making a golden calf. I'm proving to you they're crazy. They were going buck wild, no pun intended. That's why the law came because transgression, sins increased. Until the, and look what he says. It was added because of transgression until the offspring, that's Jesus, should come to whom the promise had been made. And it was put in places, a place by angels, by an intermediary. Oh, uh, said the angel of the Lord, all this stuff. Now, an intermediary applies, implies there are more than one, but God is one. So in other words, Jesus is one fulfilled. That's just, I don't know what time that's just for me. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? In other words, do I fulfill the law or do I trust the promise of God? He's showing you this linear progression. God made a promise first. 430 years later, there was a law. And the reason why the law was because the people he made the promise to were acting crazy. So he had to put a law in place and say, look, I need to show you your sin. Get back to my promise. The law didn't come first, the promise. So it's not. It's, it's, your parents love you. If they're right with God, your parents love you. And that's what makes the relationship special. Not because you behave. And one day with your parent, you love them in spite of them. Can I get a witness, parents? My parents love me in spite of them. have rules in your home doesn't mean there's not a promise of love for us. So, verse 2, <coughs> is the law being contrary to the promises of God? Make it on toy! Greek? Certainly not. I don't have my Greek New Testament, but I'll bet you that's what it is. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But everybody else says, I'm a good person. I'm a good person. No, we're not. Compared to, oh, you're, you're, yes, you are good compared to me. There ain't no doubt about it. I feel like Paul a lot of times. I'm the chief of sinners, right? I'm not trying to just self-abase and put myself down. I honestly feel that way sometimes. Like, who am I, God, that you refuse me to preach? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a young girl. You know? Like, why am I up here? It's because somebody's wild and lovely, and they love, 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 love me in spite of me. But here's the idea behind it. It's not I'm good compared to you or you're good compared to me. The question is, is it compared to Christ? But if, I love this. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. But the scripture, but the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus 
Christ might be given to those who believe. The law shows us our sin. That's all it's meant to do. It doesn't transfer. Well, I live right, so therefore I'm right. No. Because no one can fully live by the law. No one. But it's given by the, so that the promise of faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. It all points to putting the promise in Jesus. Now, before faith came, verse 23, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. He's saying this, until Jesus Christ came and delivered us of the righteousness, right? He's saying that, that, that we, were, we were shown as unrighteous. So then the law was our guardian, or King James, our tutor, until Christ came. Order that we might be justified by faith. The law shows us our need for Savior. If anybody in this room is, says that they're saved and they weren't read first that they were sinner, I promise you, you're not saved. That was good. If you don't believe in sin, why do you need to be saved? If Jesus is not some good ideology, He's not just some good person that we should emulate, that He has good morals and He's like this liberator of, of, of people that are broken and injustice. I mean, that's not why we follow Jesus. We follow Jesus because we need a Savior. I am in sin, and John Davis can't be good enough. If I surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, that is the love of God, I gain nothing. I can sacrifice my heart and give you a heart transplant so that you can live, and it does not put me in any better standing. And people say, that sounds so harsh of God. Let me just cut the chase. I say it all the time. I, people say, that sounds, what do you mean? I, people are good. Why is God so harsh? I'm going to tell you something. That's just a bunch of hogwash. People smuggling or something. If my wife was raped by a man, and he stood up in front of the judge and said, for 52 years, 364 days, 23 hours and 30 minutes, I never sinned, but yes, in that 30 minutes, I raped Lynette, and the judge goes, hmm, you're a good person. You're off. What would you think? Come on. What would you think? Talk to me. You think the judge is fair? What if that was your wife, or your mom, or your sister? Do you think the judge is fair? The guy said, I've never, I have no criminal record, except for one rape. That one. And the judge said, you're right, you're a good person. 95% of the time, you're a good guy. Here, you're off. What do you think? You think the judge is fair? Every one of us in this room would say, that's not fair. Then why do we do that with God? I just don't understand why God's such a harsh judge. Is it harsh? Or is he fair? Or should I say good? That's what it means. I need Jesus. Verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under guardian. That is the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. That's what it means to walk. That's what the Christian life is. The Christian life is, I'm just, I'm saved, now I'm going to do my own thing. No, I'm saved, and the Spirit of God is alive in me. Open heaven, I pray, I'm reading scripture, I'm being discipled, which means I'm being taught. I'm being apprenticed. Somebody's working on me one-on-one, two-on-one, three-on-one, and then, uh, you know, I'm bringing people on one, and then I'm being immersed in the brokenness so that I can release the presence of God. I'm being disciple. I'm growing.
so that means to put on Christ. I'm living by the promises of God as a believer. There's all these promises. So let me keep going. We're going to get rid of limbs. Verse 25. And now faith has come. We are no longer under God for being Christ Jesus from all sins of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Then look what happens when you put on Christ. Okay. Can you play over me? Let's play the pad. Yeah, and, and guitar. I need you to play with me, Jacob. Watch what it says here. Look what happens when we put on Christ. Here's what believers. There's neither Jew or Greek. You know what that means? Where we come from, our pedigree, our ancestry, our heritage, doesn't compare to being in Christ. That is why the answer is not the American flag. The answer is the Christian There's only one flag in the United family. I mean, people are like, well, call the government and do this. Now, what I've done it, no. Crazy. But my point being, the American flag can never unite people. I mean, by the way, don't take it wrong. Don't take it wrong. I'm not, I'm not dissing any Americans. I'm not listening. I, I, listen, I wanted to be in the military, and I didn't make weight. I was too fat. True story. So, I, I did good on my ass back, but I'm all the way, so judge me. The you like, no, you're out of here. It's kind of like when I ask girls out, you're out of here. All right, never mind. All right, so. But I'm not seeing anybody about it. Trust me. I love and I'm grateful to all of the people that are serving. And yes, there are some bad people. They're bad pastors. You know the pastors that go to my, my family's law firm? You know what they go to? Because they're Christians. You know what they go for? They're usually, here's what the pastors are. Ready? Sex offenders or stealing money. And they, they want to go to my, my family as lawyers, and they want to throw bone because they're free, because they're Christians. Every time my family sees, every time my brother didn't see pastors, you know what they do? Pastor comes in, it's one of those two things. But does that mean all pastors are bad? No. My point being is this, that it doesn't matter. That's why, that's why the gospel gives us. We need a Jew, no Greek. In other words, there's no division between any of us. There's neither slave nor free. You know what that means? There's no financial boundaries between believers. There's nobody in this room that's higher up because you make more money. And there's nobody in this room that's lower because you don't have money. Believers come together and seek value in each other because of Jesus Christ living within us. You are valuable to the Lord. That's why he knows the number of hairs on your head. That's why there's not a sparrow that falls that Jesus does not know about. Yet Jesus teaches that we are more valuable than the sparrow. For you are all one in Christ. We are together because of the promise of Jesus. Serve like you. 
Right? Am I right, Samuel? No, Princeton? Amazing man. No. But what does it mean to be saved? Do I just sit here and what happens? Do I, do I just accept life as it comes? No, here's what happens. The, the more we spend time with God and love Him, He's going to impress on our heart to do something. We've got to step out. We live by faith. You and I live by faith. We are heirs of a promise. So what does that mean? Do you and I believe today that the promises of God are better than the life that we can choose for ourselves? Come on now. Do we believe that living in a family that has many problems, some of you, do you believe that God is big enough to change what man tried to undo? And all the baggage that comes with all the post-traumatic how about when you've done nothing wrong and people have done something to you? Do you believe Jesus is bigger? Do you believe that he can overcome what the world says he can't? We are heirs of the promise. So what promises do I hold to? There's a book called Battling Unbelief that's really meant uh, something to me by John Piper. And I just want to ask you what promises you need to hold on to. Do you believe as a believer in the promise that my God will supply every need according to his riches and glory? What is the need? If you love the need giver, then you will trust in what he can give. Do you today need to say to the Lord, Lord, because of the gospel of Jesus and he's the fulfillment of every promise, I believe that you will meet my needs in every day i got to renew it or my flesh will make me deny it. How about this? Is there anybody in this room that just needs mercy? Do you need goodness? He says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Is there anybody in this room that needs mercy? Do you need to come to the foot of the cross and say, God, I need you to give me mercy so I can be merciful. See, we think, we, I'm not saying you need mercy because you did something wrong. I'm saying because somebody did something wrong with you. Come on, let's get real. It's hard to give mercy if I don't think I need mercy. How about this? Psalm 84, verse 11. Nothing good, no, excuse me, no good thing does he withhold from those who walk upright. That means in a relationship with Jesus today. Do you need a good thing? Can we just be real, please? I feel like a failure as a pastor sometimes because I, I just... Sometimes I think I know people that don't. He will do it. Luke 12, 32. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. What do you need? Isaiah 41.10, I am your God. I will strengthen you. Does anybody in here need strength today? Come on. Does anybody? You don't have to wait on me to officially announce the altar open. The altar is always open. Thank you so much. Do you need strength? He says, quote this promise. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. Do you believe in the promise? Maker. It's not the promise that's the 
key is the promise giver who is the key. All things are yours, 1 Corinthians 3. All things are yours. The world or life or death or present or the future, all are yours, and you are Christ, and Christ is God. What do you need God to do? For those who love God, all things work together for good. That means the wrong has been committed to you. God will spin evil. He will take evil and make it good, but he will never take good and make it evil. God can make what has been wrong to you. He can use it if we are willing. For those who are called according to his purpose, do you feel left out and forsaken? Do you feel like God is not with you? Matthew 28 years of promise. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you feel separated from the love of God because of circumstances that have happened? Neither death, nor life, nor anything else in all creation. That means the people that are wrong us. Or the people that have walked out of us. Or the people that have hurt us. Or the things that we might feel like we need because we're empty bodies what we don't have. Nothing else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Christ Jesus our Lord. The reason why God made these promises is so that we will come to the promise. That's what it is to have the first walk in freedom. You're not a Christian walk. It's based on the promise of Christ Jesus. Christ. Just listen. God knows your heart right now. It's not me. If you don't know him, I'm telling you right now. Here it is. Here it is. He is making himself known to you through the words that are piercing your heart. And you feel uneasy. This is what you feel. You feel uneasy and you can't wait to get out of here. That's Satan wanting you to get out. Wanting you to flee is Satan. Wanting you to come is the Spirit of God. But if you in this moment, it's no magical prayer. If you just say literally, Jesus saved me. You're, I mean, you're just confessing what God's already done. You need God to be your mercy. He'll be it. You need God to be your lover. He will be it. You need God to be your defender. He will be it. You need God to be your protector. He will do it. Because that is how we show the world Jesus. The world doesn't determine how we live. Jesus determines how we live. Even when the world comes against us. Come on, saints. Who needs Jesus? Father, in the name of Jesus, we need you today. We need you. And so we're going to hold on to your promises. Does anybody in here need salvation? They have sinned against the Holy God. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That means they think it's crazy. They're just blocking it right now. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. How about, Lord, if somebody needs a promise that you will work all things out for your children? You promise to work all things, work together for good, for those who love and serve you and call according to your purpose. It's like the person said, Lord, there's a broader picture that keeps us from being dismayed in our circumstances. How about, God, you promise us comfort in your trial? Who needs comfort today? 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Lord, you have a plan in the midst 
one trial. And one day we can comfort others with the same comfort we receive. God, you promised us every spiritual blessing in Christ in Ephesians 1 3. You have reserved an inheritance for us. You promised what you started, you will finish in Philippians 1 6. He who began a good work in you is faithful just to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You promised us peace. Is anybody in this room going to need peace? You promised us peace when we pray. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. We get peace. You promised us you will supply our needs. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Seek ye first. That's what you said, Lord. We are more valuable than even the birds. God, you call us into a place to trust your promises. God, I pray today calling every one of us to walk by the gospel, to walk in courage, to walk in freedom. Lord, I know there's people in this room that the pain that has come in their life has made them, when they come in here and there's no emotion really towards you. So God, you don't need emotion. You will stir emotion. Serve. Sure. 